Good morning, everyone. Um, just want to uh, say it's. Uh, I, I, I just want to give you a little testimony. I had the privilege. Uh, th- those last words, your name. No- nothing has the power to save like your name. And I'm just. I was uh, at Gowanda Correctional Institution last night, standing outside the fence uh, with um, uh, Laura Nelson and Pastor Kristen. And uh, we were standing out there singing to these guys who have just gone through sort of an, a, a walk to Emmaus, um, footsteps-type experience inside uh, the prison. And uh, they're brought out into the, the field and uh, stand on one side of uh, this fence with the razor wire and everything. It's just such an amazing image to see men uh, just, that's where they are. That's their life. And then uh, <clears throat> to have us... Uh, be between the, there's sort of like this no man's land and then another huge fence and then here we're standing here and we're, we're singing songs to them and they just, ah, yeah. And then they'd sing us a song and we'd, whoo and just back and forth. Uh, and then finally we ended with Amazing Grace. And, um, but I was just thinking, you know, your name, nothing has the power to save like your name. I, it's so poignant when you see, um, a situation where people really need salvation. And frankly, guess what? Every one of us is in the same place. We're not in the same physical place, but we're in the same place. Every one of us is tempted to be sort of trapped in our own pr- prisons of our own making every single day. And, uh, and Jesus, Jesus can save us from that. And that's why we're here. We're not here just to like go through a religious exercise. We're not here to say, you know, how many people can we get in the house? We're not here to just kind of whoop it up and feel good emotionally. We're here because Jesus saves. We're here because God is real. We're here because this is real life. This is like our reorientation in all the stuff that we do all week long that kind of gets us, you know, messed up or gets us sort of not oriented towards God sometimes. This is like the recalibration moment. This is awesome that we are here. I just praise God. I praise God that we are here. And we get, to pray, we get to praise the Lord as we have through the singing. We get to uh, listen to his word. We get to pray together. We get to be together. This is so huge. Who wouldn't want to be a part of this? I mean, invite all your friends. I'm serious. This is huge stuff. This is to be together as the body of Christ. Nothing compares to this. This is the most important hour of your week. This is it. I'm, wow, I'm not even on my sermon. I'm just like... I, I haven't even started my sermon yet, but God is real. Yeah, <laughs> God is real. God is real. Well, let's, um, let's open up our Bibles and, um, and, uh, to Romans chapter 12. We're going to finish the chapter today uh, as we finish our True Greatness series. Um, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. Let's listen closely. To God's word today. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Lord, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful that any one of us who can read can pick that up and just read it. And those who can't can hear it on audio tape. We're grateful that you have made your revelation, uh, your specific revelation of the the word uh, available to us. And you, you have given us this training manual for life. And we don't worship it, but it allows us to know who you are, that we might worship you. And allows us to know who we are, that we might have a realistic understanding of ourselves. Oh God, what a, what a privilege it is. We pray that you will just um, move today as we consider your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be in each of us working, convicting, encouraging, helping us to not just sit here, but to go do something. We ask it in your name. Amen. Well, we have been talking about not just sitting around, but being used by God in his service to be servants of Jesus Christ. And we've talked about true greatness is available to to anybody because everybody can serve. And we've talked about how whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And we've looked at Romans 12 for the last six weeks. This is the seventh week. We've been discerning through that, that true greatness does come through serving others, that there's this 100% commitment to Christ that he calls us to, and that God allows us to be transformed in order to make us different than the world, that we might shine before the world, and that we are called to be willingly uh, humble and to serve in any way that God calls us to, no matter what, and that each Christian belongs to the community as a whole, that we don't just have say over our lives and you have nothing else to say to it, but we're part of the community and each of us is, uh, is, uh, must answer, in a sense, to each other. We've talked about learning our spiritual gifts and using them and also about our attitude and how just hugely that counts for uh, uh, that sense of uh, love and fervor and joy that comes out of that. And so finally today, we've come to the end of Romans 12 and the end of our series. And our final idea, our final topic is true greatness uh, made complete when we finish the job. We're not just called to be hearers of the word. We're called to be doers of the word. And Paul calls us in Romans 12 to finish well. And in the midst of this, we think, Okay, we've got all these ideas, and then Paul throws in one more. One more that seems kind of like a curveball. It seems like a twist. It seems like a what? Where did that come from? Until we start thinking about life and go, oh, that's where that came from. That came from the reality of life. 
Paul says these words, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. He's reminding us that evil is real. That evil is in the world and that we as Christians should not think that we will be exempt from its influence. We should not walk around and assume that although evil is happening to others, it certainly won't happen to me because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I think what Paul wants us to know is that though our call is to serve others, there's no guarantee that we will not be put in harm's way in that process. Now that could be sort of a a physical experience like our brothers and sisters experience overseas. But it could also be sort of an emotional experience where you try to do the right thing and people just reject you. Like a psychological experience of, I, my heart is right, but others are pushing back and it just hurts. It hurts to be misunderstood. I think Paul is saying here, expect difficulty. Expect difficulty. When you're trying to be a servant to others, expect that there will be hard times. Expect that you will receive some pushback. Expect that no good deed goes unpunished. Do you know that little phrase? So true, boy. Sometimes you just try to do the right thing, and wham, you get nailed for it. Expect that all will not be easy. And when we experience some sort of hardship, we shouldn't be surprised by it, nor should we be discouraged by it. I, uh, I think of this scene from uh, the, the musical Man of La Mancha. I had never seen that before. I happened to be uh, uh, near a local production of it at a high school. And I thought, oh, good, I'll go to that. And it, it, was, it was really powerful. The, the scene that completely captivated me was when uh, the, the hero, Don Quixote, uh, has um, treated this young woman, Eldanza, like she's a princess. He has a, another name for it. It's like Dulcinea or something like that. And, but basically, he, he treats her like a princess. He treats her with respect. She, who's been this lowly servant girl and, and, and who's had to resort to all sorts of terrible uh, things in order to survive, he comes in and treats her like an absolute princess. And, and the, the result is that she has this sense of, of self-worth. It sort of rises up, and she's so encouraged by him that she goes out, and the people who have been abusing her, she goes to serve them. And she serves them in this really powerful and meaningful way. And right at that moment, when you're like, wow, love is overcoming evil. Right at that moment in the musical, those people that she's serving turn on her, beat her, and abuse her. And I remember sitting, I, I remember sitting in, in, the, in the audience, and I remember thinking, wow, this is like, this is, this is so real. Because, I, because so, I was expecting it to be sort of a, a Hollywood, you know, she did the right thing, and she was rewarded for it. But it wasn't that. She did the right thing, and she got pounded. And I thought, oh, 
this is like life. And when I read this passage in Paul, I thought, oh, it's just like that scene. That scene where a person does the right thing and they get harmed because of it. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? We think people who are striving hardest to help others, they ought to be blessed by that. And sometimes we are. And sometimes we are blessed in a deep way that's not so much sort of an outer way, but like this deep inner way, even at the same time as those who are serving are sometimes um, abused by those that they serve. I'm thinking about, uh, I've seen several stories in in the last 10 years or so of um, workers who are trying to immunize children in very remote parts of the world. And when they go in, they've actually been... uh, Um, abused and and killed sometimes. They're trying to save these kids' lives, but the folks there don't understand that immunization is not uh, um, a a trick of the government to exterminate them, but instead is trying to save their lives. The very people that these folks are trying to help turn on them and harm them. We should not be surprised when we're obedient to God that we we will experience difficulty. It shouldn't, there's not this direct one-on-one correlation. If I do the right thing, God will bless me, meaning God will make my life easier or better. God will bless you, but it might be, it might be in a way that's sort of not outwardly obvious, a way that's inwardly powerful, the presence of Christ in a new way. I think of what happened to Jesus' 12 disciples. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew crucified on an olive tree. James beheaded very soon after the resurrection. Philip crucified. Bartholomew flayed and crucified. Matthew beheaded. Thomas speared and burned alive. James the Lesser beaten to death with clubs. Judas Thaddeus beaten to death with clubs. Simon the Zealot hacked to death. Matthias stoned to death. Only John it seems, lived to be old, and he was exiled to the island of Patmos. I don't know about you, but I think that I sometimes get lulled into thinking, I'm serving God. I have good motives. I'm sensing the movement of the Holy Spirit. My heart is in the right place. Surely, this will work out well. And it just ain't so. It's just not so sometimes. So, if that's so, I'm tempted then to say, what's wrong, God? Did I do something wrong? Did you do something wrong? No, no, okay, that one's out. What's going on? And then I have to be reminded, just because you're experiencing difficulty does not mean you're doing the wrong thing or something is going wrong. Paul totally gets this. He notes that it's completely normal to expect difficulty. It's just like this. Oh, by the way, bless those who persecute you and do not repay evil for evil. Like, I'm just throwing this in at the side. Because it's going to happen. See, that's what he's saying. The assumption is it's going to happen. Not, you know, boy, 
on a real off chance that this goes down, you know. No, it's not that way at all. It's like, this is normal stuff. Persecutions happen. People will misjudge your good intentions. People will actively work against you, even though you're trying to serve them. <laughs> I, I, I won't give you any details, but I had this fascinating experience recently where someone was right in my face yelling at me, and I was like, I'm inside, I'm thinking, this is it. This is the moment. This is the moment my seminary professors always told me about where somebody will, like, threaten me. And, I mean, I'm not trying to say that I really took glee in it, but what I, I was like, oh, my gosh. I wish this was on video right now. I could tell my other pastor friends, it's happened to me. I've been threatened. And you know what? It was, it was amazing. I was just like, I was so calm. I was like, God is real. And this is crazy, but God is real. This is real life. It was an amazing experience. Paul wants the servants of Christ to finish the job of serving by finishing well. He knows that when we're running the race, it's often the last miles that are the hardest. I think of John the Baptist. He was Jesus' cousin, his relative. He was the special child who had been prophesied about in the Old Testament. He would be the forerunner of the Messiah. He was the one that came and proclaimed, Jesus, there is the, Son of God, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was the guy who baptized Jesus. But in the last days of his life, he was languishing in a prison that he was put there by Herod. He was wondering if Jesus really was the Messiah. He sent his disciples, are you really the one? And Jesus answered him in this really powerful way. He quoted some passages that in indicated, yes, if you understood these passages, which John would, I am the one. So he, he gets the answer. But then he gets beheaded. I mean, it was a tough last mile. But John was faithful. He even had his doubts but he was faithful. Servants of Christ are called to finish well. Paul gives us then some just very specific insights on how that goes down. The first, uh, just two, and, and the first is this. Choose to be people of peace. He says, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This, is, this recognizes that living at peace with everyone and doing what is right in the eyes of everyone is not totally dependent on you. He says, as far as you are able, do your best to live at peace with everyone. Do your best to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. But realize that you're only half of that equation. And the other half is how people will see you. And you don't have any control over that. And so, so I think in a sense, he's saying, recognize what you are responsible for. And don't take on what you're not responsible for. I think this is why the serenity prayer by uh, Reinhold Niebuhr has been so uh, important in people's lives. It's something that uh, folks say at Alcoholics Anonymous 
Um, the shortened version is what most of us would know. Oh God, give us the serenity to accept what cannot be changed, the courage to change what can be changed, and the wisdom to know the one from the other. In other words, help us to own what's our stuff. And help us to let go what's not our stuff. And help us to know which is which. And when we do that, it brings serenity. It brings peace. It brings that, mm, that moment of, wow, life might be, must, might be crazy. I don't understand it all. I'm trying to be faithful. People are pushing back on me. But in the midst of all that, I can have this serenity, this peace, because I know what's my part, and I know what's not my part. And I'm not going to own the part that's not my part. I'm just going to leave that in God's hands. Do what you can and don't fret where you have no power. This is where Pastor Kristen said, it'd be really great if you just started singing Let It Go from Frozen. (laughs) And I said, no, it wouldn't. Because I'm really sick of that song. Okay, anyway. But yes, let it go. Let it go. Okay, all right. You have no power over other people. I, I love the image of the drawbridge. If you're in a situation where other people are, are just, mm, you're, somehow it's, you're not connecting, what I encourage you to do, put your side of the drawbridge down. The ideal is both sides of the drawbridge are down and, and it, it can cross, right? But you only have control over your side. So you can keep it up. But then there's just absolutely no chance. If you put it down, they might spit on you from the top. They might heap some abuse on you. But friends, your side is down. And you are saying, I am doing everything in my power to make this relationship right. I'm going to, I'm going to, offer myself to be the one who says, I don't want to live with a conscience that says, I kept my drawbridge up. That to me is a, is a very, very helpful image. The second thing he says in order to be uh, living as people as pe- uh, of peace, he says, don't take revenge. Don't take revenge. God is a just God. Paul quotes Deuteronomy 32 Vengeance is mine, says God. I will repay. God will take care of making sure that everyone is justly rewarded or punished for their actions. And, and yeah, you just did hear that come out of my mouth. That God will judge. And God will judge perfectly and rightly. And all who refuse the grace that he pours out abundantly will receive judgment, which is perfect and right. I don't want to see that happen to me or anyone else. That's why I think it's so crucial that we remember that we don't just go through our lives and say, you know what, my neighbor, they don't really know Christ. But you know what, it's not really a big deal. They're great people. They keep their lawn mowed. You know, I see them down at the restaurant. They're good folks. Friends, I, I, don't, I don't know how this, I don't know how God will judge. I know that it will be fair. I know it will be right. And I know that from everything we have in the Bible, that we need to tell people who Jesus is 
And we need to model that love, self-sacrificial, serving love in front of folks so that they will know it's not just about, I'm a nice person. It's about, are you connected with the living God? He's made a way. Will you be part of that and find freedom? That's why I think it's so crucial that we reach out to others. It is tempting to take matters into our own hands. It's tempting to say, you know what? I know what this person really deserves, and I'm willing to deliver. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But Paul says, no, 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 no. They will receive punishment, but you are not the punishers. We are not the punishers. God will know what is right in that person's life. So be people of peace, knowing what is our responsibility, being willing to to have that drawbridge down, but, but also not being people who resort to revenge. As juicy as it sounds, as much as you would say, wouldn't that be great? You know, you know, I hope you know. If you don't know, I'm telling you right now, it wouldn't be great. It would be bitter in your mouth. It would not be good. Secondly, second simple thing that Paul gives us. It's so simple, and yet it's like, oh my golly, that'll hurt. Go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. He says here, don't just be a passive responder, a person of peace, in a sense, because you refuse to do evil upon another. Instead... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He says, don't just kind of sit around and say, okay, look, I'm not retaliating. He says, get proactive and overcome that evil. Overcome that, whatever that evil is. Overcome it with good. We see it when we've seen these folks who have been martyred for their faith by ISIS who are, 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 are praying to Jesus at the moment that they are killed. They're overcoming evil with good. The rest of the world is looking and saying, that is evil. And those people, those people are good. They see that. But you know what? This works in your relationships too. Spouses, parents, children, neighbors, coworkers, are you willing to be the first person to apologize when something has gone down and maybe you've both spat at each other? Would you be the per- first person to say, I'm sorry? I mean, that would be radical, wouldn't it? Doesn't that just get you going? Like, this would be, whoa. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to be I'm going to admit what I did wrong. Even if what they did was 90% wrong and you did 10% wrong, if you go over there and say, look, I'm not owning the 90%, but I'm owning the 10%, and I'm telling you right now, I, I apologize. My tone was nasty. My words were wrong. Whatever, whatever that might be. If you had that, if you, if you took up that challenge, you would be a person who's overcoming evil. With good. It's, it's not a good thing when, when people are not reconciled, when they're fighting together. 
And you have a chance to overcome that with good. I have no idea where I am in my notes. (laughs) Just gone. Let's see, where am I? Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. If a person asks for your shirt, give them your jacket too. If a person forces you to carry their burden for one mile, carry it for two. And of course, Paul quotes this Proverbs. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's an image, isn't it? That's quite an image. Not as a bringer of revenge, but in your faithful service to another person, it can be a convicting presence. I think that's what he's trying to say here. If you do the right thing to somebody who's just done the wrong thing to you, boy, you know they went home and they were burned by that. I don't mean bad burned. I mean good burned, like convicted burned. Like I just treated this person like garbage and they just loved on me back. Wow. I got to go home and think about that. I was uh, at a training, a, a Mennonite training once. Um, Mennonites are, they emphasize peace a lot. And um, this one guy was talking about how when the um, Roman soldiers in, uh, in ancient times were allowed to demand that a local would carry their burden for one mile. And uh, so <clears throat> instead of having, uh, when Jesus says, when someone uh, demands that you carry their burden for a mile, you carry it for two, they weren't actually allowed to, to make you carry it for more than one mile. They weren't even allowed to let you carry it for more than one mile. So Jesus isn't just being passive and saying, you know, just totally give in, you know, carry it for a mile, but then carry it for another because you're just like such a wet rag, you know. He's saying, carry it for one mile and then just book down the road, still carrying it. And the soldier will be running after you saying, no, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't carry that further. And there you are, just carrying it. Just being a servant. It's just grinding into there. I made you carry it for a mile. Yeah, how could I carry it for another one? What? It just has a way of, it's a powerful place. A powerful place to serve. A powerful place to to finish well. Here's the bottom line. True greatness, friends, comes from serving others. When we serve others, we should expect difficulties. And when those difficulties happen, our response of faith is not to question, God, why are you letting this happen? But to be people who are dedicated to being peaceful about it, to not retaliate, to let God have the vengeance to go the extra mile, and to be great because we finished well. To finish our act of servanthood well. And so, here we are. And my simple question is, what are you doing? What are you doing? God is calling you to do something. How will you respond? Will you walk out of here today and say, I don't know, you know, I, I... I don't really feel inspired. Okay. Doesn't matter. God still calls you. Will you walk out of here and say, all right, I'm going to sign up for something. Or I'm going to reach out to someone. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to go to bed tonight before I ask God, 
what do you want me to do? Whether it's out in the world, whether it's here at church, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But to respond and say, Lord, how do you want me to be a servant? I'm looking at a lot of servants. As I look around, I'm like, oh my gosh, most of these people are like huge servants. But I don't know you all. I don't. How will God work in your life? Will you let him? Will you be the servant he calls you to be in every way, even down to the end? I hope you will. Let's pray. God, what a privilege it is to read your word, to recognize that when we read your word, it just pops out at us. It gets so real. It gets so practical. We just say, whoa, we, we will follow you, Lord. God, give us that courage. Give us that joy that says, I'm going to do what God calls me to do. It might be hard, but man, is it going to be worth it. Lord, I pray that we will sense that whether we say that boisterously or whether we just know it deeply in our hearts in a quiet way. However that is, God, I pray that you will raise up servants here at Bemis Point United Methodist Church. I pray that people will be inspired to follow you no matter what, that we will be so over just bursting with your Holy Spirit that we will just, it'll just come out of us everywhere where we are. Oh God, do your work in us. We can't do it in ourselves, but you can do it in us. I pray that you will do that. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.